Hey Chasers, Aaron here. I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Wilderness Trail Distillery. If you want a great whiskey without the fake legends and made-up history, try some Wilderness Trail Fine Kentucky Bourbon. It's made by master distiller Shane Baker and fermentation expert Pat Heist, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make a weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in bottled in bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information. Not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you, keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. Hi, this is David Coors from Coors Whiskey Company. For a dram and settle in, this is Cask Chasers Podcast. Alrighty, cast chasers, you've got Katie here. I've got something kind of fun happening today. Uh, just solo interview, um, kind of going through this. Bobby is doing the Lord's work and helping uh, watch a rather fussy little girl right now. So it's just going to be me talking with our guest today, who I'm very excited to bring on because he's going to share with us some exciting developments from his spirits company. There are some awards going on. There's some great reviews coming out. This is all an exciting time. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the Cast Chasers podcast, David Coors from the Coors Whiskey Company. David, welcome aboard, sir. Thank you so much. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope that uh, you're enjoying the background view of our podcast studio. We've started settling into this spot a little bit more. And I know you just said that you're in Colorado, but, you know, eventually if you guys are kind of making the ways around, we'd love to have you in person. So that would be great. We'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys have some exciting stuff going on with Coors and Whiskey and, you know, I'm sure that most of the people that we've got listening to the podcast are more familiar with the beer line, but tell us a little bit about how you guys got started on this journey. Yeah, so uh, I always like to say that the journey started about 20 years ago, actually, and I was in college and was home from college winter break. I remember driving down the Golden Valley by the brewery buildings, and my dad's driving the Suburban, his hands are on the wheel, and uh, I decided I was going to throw it out there, and I said, you know, Dad, why don't we make a whiskey? And he didn't even look over at me. He just goes, we're good at one thing, and that's beer. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> exactly. It was uh, end of conversation, and then I said, okay, yes, sir. And uh, it ended there. But ever since that moment, um, I always had this kind of dream of, of venturing into this space. And uh, I just wish I would have been a rebel back then because we'd have some 20-year-old whiskey, but we don't. So. <laughs> Well, We're at least you the can bring now. that up. You can all, you know, next Thanksgiving be like, hey, dad, remember that time I had that idea 20 years ago and now double gold and then some? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he's become a fan. So it's good. Nice. Nice. So what, what got you into like resurrecting the idea then? Yeah. So in 2019, um, so Molson Coors Beverage Company, which is the, the most recent iteration of the evolution of the business, uh, we decided to evolve from a brewing company to a beverage company. And I was fortunate enough to get the the job to oversee our ventures into spirits. And I said, okay, finally, it's time to <laughs> time to dig into spirits and whiskey specifically. Uh, but we did some assessment trying to figure out what was the right category we want to participate in. 
which one made the most sense. And I really wanted, I didn't want to just source juice and throw a label on it. I wanted to have a little bit more of a rich story. Mm -hmm. And so we said, well, we make amazing malt in in Golden, Colorado, uh, next to our brewery, we have one of North America's largest malting facilities and we make all of our own malt. And I said, okay, well, we've got one ingredient that goes in stuff. And uh, the other one was our water, which everyone knows the water story tied to the Coors trademark. So I said, okay, how do we get these components into it? And we've been selling malt to brewers and distillers around Colorado for probably over a decade. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was out there kind of scouring, seeing if anyone had some barrels that we could dabble with and was able to secure some Colorado single malt, malt barrels that had our malt into it. In it. And, um, and then, so this premonition came just before COVID. Then COVID hits and it's like, holy cow, <laughs> I'm getting samples and different whiskeys are being sent to me. And you know, was just going in this deep dive as we all did, you know, um, we're all stuck at home. And I think me along with many other uh, new whiskey fans started going down that journey. And I, I went down the rabbit hole and started tasting different stuff, figuring, okay, what could we do? Then someone mentioned, well, you should, you should look into blending. So we started blending some stuff. Um, and then I was talking with an old colleague who's at Bardstown actually. And, and he said, you got to come out and visit us. So I said, well, I've got a blend that I think is really good. Maybe you guys can help out. And so I brought that blend to Bardstown and then we spent two days and it was in the fall. I think it was September of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, two days with uh, the Bardstown team evolving that blend into what is now five trail that's in the bottle. That is excellent. And it's kind of crazy too, to just hear the stories about how everybody gets started, right? Like that's one of my favorite things with the guests that we have on, because you have the people that start with the ideas in their 20s that circle back that you know have to make the choice do we want to do something from scratch and really be in the grain to glass side of the business do we want to make the blend and it is amazing to me to hear how many people's stories just kind of um, converge because of the willingness of the folks in the community to just you know support each other and trying new things and pushing the envelope right so so you had the connection with Bardstown and (laughs) <laughs> Had, couldn't turn down the invitation and here we are yeah we went from moving uh 12 ounce, 12 ounce cans of uh fizzy beer to 95 yeah. proof uh whiskey simple <laughs> easy makes sense yeah, nothing to it <laughs> now, were you a whiskey guy yourself previously or like what's your story personally with it yeah as i mentioned back in college um kind of started dabbling whiskey a little bit i actually started when i had a cold and uh, i was on a trip with my dad and he said well try, try some whiskey. He poured me, I was 21 at the time, of course. And, uh, of course, so he poured me as we all are. Course, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he poured me a little crown roll on the rocks and I took a sip, um, had a couple glasses, sore throat went away, woke up the next morning, yeah. feeling, feeling fresh. The cold was gone. I said, Hmm, there's something to this whiskey <laughs> stuff. And <laughs> another legal disclaimer, I'm not advocating, uh, you know, right, right. booze for curing the common cold, but, uh, but that was kind of like really the first time when I said, okay, this is, I kind of liked uh, the flavor profile and everything. And then was casually a whiskey drinker, you know, always a beer drinker, always have and always will be, but um, was just having whiskey once in a while, very rarely. And then, you know, a few years back, uh, a couple of my friends, well, a few years before COVID even, a couple of friends really got into it and started taking me on the journey that they had already been on. Uh-huh. And, and they became my confidants, a couple of my confidants during this project as well along with our team at Molson Coors, uh, it was super helpful in making this all come together and the Bardstown team. But um, I'd go over to their houses and we'd try different stuff and talk about it. I mean, it's just, it's uh, like you said, all these stories kind of converge and there's been so many people 
recently in this category having that same experience, I believe. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that we were talking about just recently in terms of, you know, this whiskey renaissance or the, the rejuvenation that we've been kind of experiencing the last 10 or so years. And, uh, you know, the, the topic we got into in one of our recent conversations with another guest is about how on one hand, you know, we're living in such a globalized society. We're used to things like Amazon that are instant gratification, you know, high volume consumerism and everything. And then in the last few years where those things have really started to become dominant parts of, you know, just how we can live our day-to-day life, there's also this, um, I don't know, just just keen interest and, uh, I don't know, something almost like haunting that kind of pulls people back into something that is more of a crafted nature, right? Something that takes time, that maybe has some uniqueness, that you get some variance with. And I, I think it's really fascinating. And you guys are a great example of people that are kind of, you know, pushing the envelope on both fronts, right? So one of the things that I, I was hoping to ask you today was what the initial response was like from some of, you know, even the friends that you started talking about this idea with or swapping whiskey before it even was an idea. You know, some of your peers in the business, like what was the reaction you got when you first published or publicized this idea? Yeah, it was certainly one of those friends were jazzed about it they're yeah. they're fired up like yes let's do this i'll help you along the journey <laughs> Send me some samples. Taste yeah yeah exactly um and then internally it was a combination of excitement and, and this is not our core competency how are we going to do this mm-hmm. how are we going to ensure we deliver the quality that we're used to on the beer side of things um but a, a ton of support and it's when you get projects where people give you their extra time um not because they have to, but because they want to. And there's yeah. a number of teammates that chipped in um, just out of a passion, sure passion project. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun to see. And I would say that there was, you know, certain people that were a little skeptical, certain that were excited. And we we launched the product last fall. And I, I made the mistake of saying, oh, we're going to be sold out by Christmas. You know, <laughs> I was thinking, oh, this is the best stuff ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't sell out by Christmas, but uh, recently winning double gold at San Francisco and then uh, a SIP award, platinum award last week, actually. And it was really validating for those that were saying, okay, are we really doing this? Are we going to do well in it? Um, just validating that we put a product together in the bottle that uh, that people would like and that is high quality. And so it was, it's gaining, you know, internal, ex- external excitement. Yeah. And speaking of the bottle, I've got to say, um, so before we actually open the box that you sent us, and thank you very much for that, I was just taking a look at some of the announcements online and, you know, the website with all of the graphics, the label, the, the photos of the bottle. It is beautiful. And, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a bottle chaser, but I do appreciate something that is, you know, a little simple, elegant, has a little bit of a, you know, gritty, nostalgic feel to it. And I love the artwork that you guys have on this label and just, you know, it, it looks like like a 19th century etching of somebody that's just out in the Rockies, like seeing this for the first time and is trying to like take an imprint of it with the technology they had available at the time. Like it's got that kind of edge to it, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It uh, was a fun process and we looked at a different a number of different options and directions which to take it, but we kept falling in love with this um, this beautiful imagery as a concept, and it came to life beautifully. Yeah, unbroken spirit. It it mm. really sings through with the imagery for sure. 
So do you have yeah. a bottle of this to uh, join I, me in I, the tasting? I certainly do. Um, <laughs> and uh, a little glass to enjoy with. It's actually <laughs> an old... <laughs> An old glass from the 60s um, that my dad found recently and, and gave me four of them. But oh, uh, so it's cool. a great, it's my new kind of little snifter, although it doesn't have that perfect shape. It's got a little barrel shape to it and uh, it's fun. No, I, I kind of <laughs> like that more actually, because yeah, it looks like a little little snifter in a glass can version with the classic Coors exactly. label, of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh. So uh, have you have you been able to enjoy it yet or can so we start this... from scratch? Let's start from scratch because this is my first time trying it. We purposefully um, were going to hold off until we were able to talk to you and actually do it. So, yeah. So this is this is live live ish on air, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Please tell me a little bit more. I know it's it's predominantly a weeded blend, right? Yeah. So the blend is forty five percent four year old weeded, and then thirty five percent four grain. Mm -hmm. and then 15% Colorado single malt, and we finish it with 5% of 13-year-old Kentucky. So the first three, the weeded, the four grain, and the single malt are all four years old, and then the final 5% is, uh, you know, Kentucky bourbon. And one thing that I love, and I love your perspective of it, um, unfiltered, of course, mm -hmm. and it's that you really can pick out each one of the components as you go through yeah. the taste, but we can we can go through the aroma first. Yeah. When I, I so love not, right off the bat, you know, that creaminess, that smoothness that you could get from, uh, we, we have a lot of weeded whiskeys that we've tried on the show. That was something that I was newer to after joining the show. I kind of, uh, <laughs> I went through a pretty big rye stint actually <laughs> more than anything, yes. <laughs> but I've become a big fan of this profile for sure. So. Yeah. You get that beautiful caramel, sweet aroma up front on the nose, even some brown sugar, um, but it, it, it has this element to it as well that I think um, uh, that balances it out. And it, I get it probably more in the taste, but it's almost like a toasted baguette as well. Um, yeah. Kind of French baguette. And, and it, uh, it really comes through on that nose and then on the taste as well. But it's, it's one of those, it's 95 proof and, and it doesn't burn too much on the nose or the palate. Um, but it's, it's got that, nice aroma that just is inviting. Yeah. One of the things that I really like about this, and I've only had one other bourbon that's made me think about it. Um, you know, obviously when we're talking about bourbon, we get like some of those caramel and vanillins and everything. But for me, there's a difference between the ones where it's kind of that raw sweeter component versus what I'm getting in this, which is almost like, you know, kind of a luxurious ice cream caramel swirl, right? Like it's just a little bit more fleshed out, a little bit well-rounded. And I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great way to just. Okay, we'll go in for going for the taste. Um, and as I mentioned, you'll you'll go through that journey, and you can almost pick out each component. Right? I I certainly can, and I don't know if that's my biased palate or not. But I'm curious <laughs> to see if you can pick out each one of those. Yeah. You're, you're thinking about <laughs> like all of the paperwork you poured over. Like, okay, this is the this is the percentage. Oh man. Exactly. No, that's. That is such a wild ride compared to what you get on the nose, right? I, I don't want to say that the nose was, um, you know, like lesser or, or one dimensional in any way. It's not like that at all. But by contrast, just that roller coaster of just different punches of flavor. Um, <laughs> and it's funny, too, because I love a good Kentucky bourbon. 
in the ones that I tend to be drawn to, you know, you kind of get like the little bit of heat on the back. It's not, it's not quite the hug that you get with like a Tennessee whiskey, but it's something along those lines. And that's like the slam dunk at the end, not to sound too cheesy, you know, it definitely takes you there, which is awesome. Yeah. What I, what I always like to say is up front, you get that sweet weeded caramel, like I said, the baguette, um, those sugars really come through that foregrain is, is the complex body throughout and you pick up some of that rye and the foregrain. Yeah. And then the finishers is, I believe the single malt that comes through in this nice dry and almost, um, I would say ginger. What I love is the finish of this product is that dry kind of ginger profile and uh, overlaid through all that is that 13 year old uh, Kentucky giving you a little bit more complexity throughout. So it's like this wonderful, sweet to dry journey and a clean finish. I, I wasn't, quite thinking um dry ginger i i totally get that with you saying it i was trying to put my finger on um it's like a drier green kind of flavor you know like not quite um a seagrass it's not in that not that exact flavor profile but the same in terms of a texture if that makes sense kind of the dry greenness there absolutely i was kind of punching out yeah i I think that's that malty you know heavy component of malt that uh, does shine through the whole product um, that gives you some of that earthiness, grassy um, and sweet ginger. So can you tell me a little bit about like just your guys process in going through, and I'm sure you tried so many iterations of it before you got to this point, you know, I'm assuming probably in, in in terms of um, like the, the decisions about proof and everything too. So how did you guys hone in on this as the finished product? Yeah. So that, like I said, it started on the countertop and COVID and, you know, every, every day at six o'clock or whenever I finished work, I come down and I'd start filling the table countertop with glasses. My wife's, you know, saying, <laughs> clean this up. It's time for dinner. Um, right. like, I'm working. I'm working very hard right exactly. now. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I usually blended over a hundred different kind of blends trying to figure out. And I knew that single malt was going to be a key com- or wanted it to be in the, in the blend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the backbone throughout um, and came up with a blend that hopefully someday we will release just because I thought it was, uh, I thought I'd, I kind of nailed it at home um, and took that to Bardstown. And then for two days, as I mentioned, we sat down with that team and uh, they took that blend and started evolving it, mm-hmm. changing different percentages, adding in that 13 year old. And, um, and we just kind of do some blind blends, yeah. four or five different samples, different proofs. And, and we got to what we thought was uh was sufficient. And, and then I, I took a bottle of that blend home and I kept trying it, going back to it and thinking about it and going back to it. And it's like, okay, I think we got this right now. What, what proof do we want to go with? And, um, certainly we had one of our master brewers with us. Uh, my boss, Pete Marino was with us and, and we had some fun with the Bardstown team and really got to this blend. And I think, um, is that beautiful journey you just had. Oh my gosh. That sounds like such a fun trip too. Like I, I understand, you know, these are the things that we do for a living that get us paid and everything. But when that is the trip that you get to take to come up with this and, you know, trying however many other versions along the way, that's, that's awesome. I just, yeah, and it was obviously, like I said, in COVID. So that was the first business trip I had had or oh, yeah. trip. First time I'd been in a, on an airplane in six months. And, and so that was a treat. That I remember uh, my first time on an airplane in the middle of all of it too. And they were still, um, 
I think they were still restricting the number of people and, you know, forcing the alternating seats and everything. And I just remember walking through BWI and thinking like, this feels a little bit like the Walking Dead set. I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> like scant amount of people and just, you know, but people have, uh, you know, gone through trickier journeys to find the perfect dram, you know. It, it was certainly weird going through airports back then. Yeah. So I just added a little bit of water to this too. I love doing that yeah. with, you know, new whiskeys that I'm trying out just to try and, you know, like you said, kind of break down all the different components here. Yeah. And I love a drop of water in it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the type of finish that you get with this, right? Cause like I said, it's, you know, you do get that very strong wall of heat almost at the end, at least for me, like it's a nice punctuation mark. Right. Yeah. So, um, um, Interested to see how a little bit of water maybe helps open that up, expand it out a little bit just to keep the ride going. Hey, babe. Yeah, honey. Um, could you talk to me about Single Cask Nation? I've heard of these people. Yeah. Yeah. Cool guys. Cool guys. Yeah. Yeah. They're like independent bottlers. Sure are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even I know that. You should, you should know that. Yeah. The seventh retail release of Single Cask Nation is hitting U.S. shelves starting in July. What? Yeah. Six new casks of whiskey, anywhere between 10 and 20 years old. Nice. Each one more delicious than the next. Wow. Yep. Every single cask has to be approved by me or my business partner, Jason Johnston Yellen. Mm -hmm. We only bottle the stuff that we fall in love with. Yes. We only bottle the stuff that we would want to open our wallets for. I know it. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. We're proud to have Impex as our importer, and Impex is proud to be a sponsor of the Cast Chasers podcast. Nice. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't drink a ton of neat um, whiskey or bourbon before uh, this product, our product. And um, I'm a beer guy, right? I like yeah. it iced down and like a little bit more mellow. Yeah. And uh, this is the whiskey that's taught me how to drink neat whiskey. Um mm-hmm. Again, maybe biased uh, because it's <laughs> ours and I was forced to, but it, it really is one of those that you can have it uh, nice and neat, a drop of water or an ice cube. Okay. So without the water, I feel like the finish at the end is something that makes you kind of like sit up and sit at attention. Now <laughs> I'm very much like imagining myself leaning back in an armchair, you know, maybe like a nice Anirondack on the porch. This is 100%. really delicious. Yeah. Thank you. And it's funny too. I I meant to bring this up one of the first times you mentioned, you know, beer guy, obviously, right? One of the first people we had on as a guest in, I want to say the early days of season two was a Cooper um, from a number of different distilleries in Scotland. And I think most recently he was working for a Glasgow distillery. And so, you know, this guy, awesome, thick Scottish brogue. We're talking all things whiskey. We're talking about like the painstaking labor of love that goes into selecting the staves and you know reassembling the whole nine yards right so we get to the end of the interview and we're like all right you've worked in a lot of places you've seen every step of making this craft what is your favorite whiskey if you you know feel comfortable sharing and he's like honestly beer guy <laughs> yes <laughs> You know, it's possible to be on both sides is what I'm saying. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man! No, it's a, a, a banquet and a bourbon is about as good of a combo as you can get. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's got to be. You guys must have come up with a name for that combination, right? Like instead of a well, beer we, and a we, shot, like. We do have a program called Banquet in a Bourbon. So uh, this this isn't a bourbon technically. It's 85% yeah. bourbon, so it's pretty close. But yeah. uh, yes. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Man. Yeah, I mean, I as uh, not to always go back to the beer side of things, but I think you touched on it earlier, the, the renaissance of, of whiskey and bourbon. And I always like to um, say that you have all these craft beer drinkers that were going through the craft beer journey over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about the category is we've all been on that journey. We've had the craft loggers all the way up to double IPAs and Imperial this and that. And I think people are now going over that crest and, and starting to dabble into the whiskey and bourbon space. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole new world. I mean, my mind was blown as I started getting into it and yeah. talking about staves and bars and um, mash bills and, and all the TTB definitions and everything. And it was I go, wow, okay, it clicked. Like this is this is where people that really want to learn and explore a category can evolve into when they get a little bit um, tired or burn out or have have done all that exploration on the beer side. So uh, mm-hmm. that really is when I started to get excited going, okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, and, and that's something that I think is really cool about what you guys are doing, right? Because I think when you're talking about, when you're talking about kind of leisurely aspects of our life, you know, food, wine, spirits, culture, you know, all of these things that kind of give us a chance to sit back, relax and enjoy, you know, the, the finer things in life from, you know, the treat yourself perspective, right? Um, It can be so hard to connect with the consumer base that, I don't know, you, you can keep coming back for more while also filling each of the different needs that come about from, you know, something as simple as seasonality. I, started getting into gin a couple years ago in the summer because for as much as I love whiskey and red wine the summers that we were having in Maryland at that point were like you know I'm sorry I can't have anything that's heavier than like a lining kugel you're welcome Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know so so that was kind of my new spirit of choice but I mean when you can offer people so many different uh I don't know so many different options that kind of fit into the same brand. I think that's something very exciting and, and very hard to do. So. Yeah. I, I think we're all consumers, right? We, yeah. we leave the office and we go to the grocery store or liquor store and our habits have shifted so drastically. I mean, when my dad started in the business, Coors was sold in, you know, eight States with three packages and, uh, and it's evolved quite, quite a long way since then. And now consumers, like you said, whether it's seasonality or even in a nighttime, you're going to have a beer in the early evening, then maybe a glass of wine with dinner and finish with whiskey on the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was not the case 20, 30 years ago. It was you were either a beer drinker or you were a whiskey drinker or a gin drinker. And now here you are having multiple types of products in a given occasion. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, while while we've been talking, I've kind of, you know, continue to go back to this. And uh, I don't know if it's just my palate, but... I'm also getting like a little bit of an apple flavor that's coming through mm. the more I drink it. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, uh, it's definitely like a baked apple, right? It's not the crisp version of a granny Smith or anything, but maybe like, you know, when you're, Oh, this is what it is. It's when you're poaching like a really good golden apple, right? And you keep the skin on and the edges just start to kind of curl around as that glaze comes out and the sweetness comes mm. out. That's yep. that's what I'm getting right now. 
So yeah, that's I, there's there's certainly some apple tones in there, even mm. some stone fruits, um, yeah. subtle hints of it um, that don't shine as you do as you open it up with, um, and you're you're going really deep into the into the <laughs> blend and the taste flavor profile. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, I I always have to you know like caveat some of the stuff that I say when we start doing tastings because for me I just well this is one of my favorite things about whiskey right and one of the reasons I love being a part of the cast chasers organization it's such a personal piece and such a personal experience right like not only are everyone's palates different and their preferences different but when you're talking about something that has such a direct connection to memory and shared experience as you know sense of smell for example or taste for a lot of people and I'm a hundred percent one of them it's not hard to kind of just be lurched back into one of those experiences because of something you're smelling or tasting in your glass. And when it's been crafted in such a way that you can kind of, like we were talking about at the beginning, like step through each of those pieces and flavors and layers, it's just, you know, it's like sensory overload from something that's, you know, a couple thimblefuls of liquid, which is pretty cool. So it, it is, it's, it's amazing. Amazing. Whiskey just in general is, is amazing. And you know what I, I'm a huge fan of balance, right? And, yeah. and if I'm having a beer or whiskey or bourbon or whatever, I just want it to be balanced when it's too strong in one note or the other, um, that kind of turns me off. And I want to finish one and get to the end of that glass and go, wow, that was delicious. I want another one. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes through balance. And, and again, um, I think the journey that this goes on, the uh, five trail goes on from that sweet up front and that clean finish on the end, it just, takes you through that wonderful balance of the different yeah. components yeah for sure and i mean even speaking of journeys to blow this up a little bit more um i'm also a sucker for nostalgia so i would love to hear you know with your and your family's history right what are some of the things that are just right at the core of cores right as a beer company as a beverage company and that were really important to you to bring into this whiskey as you were making it that's a great question. Um, for effect. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, my, my first thought goes to family and it's not just the course family or the Molson family or even the lion Kugel family, but our employees are a family. And um, I think if, if you ask anyone that works in organization or has in the past that there is this wonderful culture and sense of family that, uh, that rings through. And I think, that's a wonderful component of it, but that doesn't tie to the product itself. Um, I, you know, my, my great uncle Bill's uh, famous saying is that barley is to beer as grapes are to wine. Mm. And with, you can't make a good beer without a good barley. And I think the same comes true in whiskey. If you don't have great ingredients going in, it uh, doesn't matter how long you put it in the barrel or what char you use. It's um, coming out is going to only be reflective of how good it is going in. So um, and ensuring that we, we procured uh, the right components was, was a huge piece of it. Um, and quality product. I think, you know, it, we make millions and millions of cans and bottles of Coors Light, you know, every, every day or week. And uh, that's not easy to do. And it's not easy to do the same thing on the whiskey front um, from distillers, large and small, to be able to put a consistent product out there. That's quality. Um, it, it's not by happenstance that the successful ones are successful because they, mm -hmm have just this constant drive to quality and perfection. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of, you know, interesting to me because going back to your comments about the importance of balance, you know, I just, again, 
when I'm thinking about kind of the juxtaposition about, you know, beer on this side, whiskey on the other, right? And how do you how do you bridge the gap between the personalities of those two beverages? Um, quality is a simple way to stay consistent. And, you know, like if you guys stand by the things that are going into one, it stands to reason you can do the same with the other, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, it's basically whiskey is beer that's been uh, turned into whiskey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had some people say it's, it's we just make the beer better, um, which, <laughs> which I don't know it's how I not. feel about that one. <laughs> exactly. You're but like, hey, uh, Dad, I got a line for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we know the front end of the of the process. Yeah, yeah. We we've talked about that before in some of our kind of like crazier brainstorm you know if if the rules of reality did not apply type of conversations right and to your point with the number of craft breweries that are popping up all over the place like especially in maryland where i'm based you have so many farms and so many families that know what they're doing from an agricultural perspective and have jumped on to doing something along you know the craft brewery space and oh my gosh having blackberry infused this and molasses that and black salt and lime whatever else you know that we've definitely kind of talked through like well what happens when some of these you know craft breweries start trying to see if they can pump it up to the next level make whiskey out of it like what crazy things are we going to see here and you know i'd love to get your thoughts on you know that topic too but i think it is really neat that at at the heart of this whiskey which to be honest is not something i was expecting um is that level of complexity and I don't know I just I think it's I think it's really cool if this showcases some of the thought and the ingredients that go into your guys other products the fact that it kind of sings with its own voice in this whiskey you know not to make this a big commercial but it I'm enjoying it so why not uh no it's, it's really no it's fun it's fun drinking no I'm flattered I appreciate that that's that's wonderful yeah I think I think you will see more and more people uh, we're seeing it already jumping into the yeah. space because the category is hot and, uh, and it's fun and it's exciting and, and so many people are passionate about it. So mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting journey over the next several years to see how the category evolves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, cause you're, you've got a pretty fun title, right? VP of next generation beverages. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Correct. <laughs> so did you come up with that name because it sounds kind of like the Elon Musk of Coors. Like where, where did this come from and <laughs> where are you taking it? <laughs> well, that's a, that's an interesting description, especially considering the current environment. But <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Bobby, we have to edit that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's, um, it really is one of those where as we evolved into a beverage company, it was, you know, what are going to be the growth drivers of the mm-hmm. business uh, for the next generation? And, and, whether it's a family member or non-family member in the business, it's, it's, we're stewards of the business to have it better than we left it um, for the next generation. And uh, so I oversee um, wine, spirits, and cannabis. We have CBD beverages in the U S that we've launched as well. And uh, I have a colleague that oversees our ventures into non-alcohol products as well. So energy drinks and whatnot. And, and um, so I think it was one of those that was, intended to just kind of have a focus on what's going to be there, not tomorrow, but in five, 10 years. Um, And that's kind of the journey we're on. Yeah. Did you ever at any point in your life think that maybe you'd be doing something else for a living or did you always kind of feel like, you know, it's, it's on me to be that steward and carry this forward and think about what's next and how it can keep 
you know, just evolving. Well, I'm the youngest of six, so there's there's plenty of us, and I have uh, you know 27 cousins, so there's, oh um, and even more beyond that if you look at the broader um, Coors family. But uh, we have a family rule: we have to work outside the business for a minimum of two years. Um, and I worked in oil and gas for four years, actually, and then um, went to business school and landed at the at the brewery. Um, and there's never been pressure on us to participate mm-hmm. in the business, and it's follow your passion, follow your dreams. I mean, I, I just loved it. When I was growing up, my dad was growing the business. He was traveling nonstop and he would bring us to work trips. Otherwise he wouldn't see us because he was gone all the time. Yeah. So I grew up around it um, as a child and, and loved all the, his colleagues and, you know, the employees that we got to see on, on occasion. And um, it just was, I was, I guess, naturally drawn to it. That's awesome. And that honestly, like that hits on a, a, personal note for me as well. So, you know, before we officially started recording, we were talking about our daughters and the fact that, you know, I've got a six month old now. And uh, (laughs) most of our listeners were kind of like following along with the pregnancy since my first year, basically, I was pregnant directing a whiskey podcast, which whatever. Um, But outside of outside of the podcast, outside of day jobs, um, you know, my husband and I also run an entertainment venue. And so Eve is with us pretty much every weekend you know she lives in a little carrier that we've got for her with her baby headphones and it's what I'm learning uh is that it's amazing to see how quickly and how much kids absorb from their environment right and so if you're right alongside your parents or family members I guess even at a young age you know starting to soak all that stuff up like you can already I can already see all of this recognition, all of this thought process kind of clicking in her eyes when she looks at lights or when she sees a band load in or when she's talking to a drag queen that's towering above her in a two foot wig and, you know, eight inch heels or whatever. So I think that's, I I am a fan of people kind of creating that opportunity for the kids to get the firsthand experience. Cause look how it pays off, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's, one day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Go Eve. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I think it's great that you bring around, right? It's that exposure I think is so valuable and, um, and not everyone has the fortune to do that. And, and, uh, I think she'll grow up to be a wonderful woman. Appreciate that. That's the hope, right? How, how yeah, long until sure. your little ones are going out on trips with you? <laughs> oh, the, the, we've got twins that are six, so we got to give them a few more years. But, uh, <laughs> Can't have the six-year-olds going in and, you know, popping the bung out of the gas there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not yet, but... <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So with the accolades you guys have already collected here with Five Trail, right? So we were talking about double gold at San Francisco World Spirits. We were talking about the platinum award that you guys have just received uh, within the last week. So this is this is mid-May, so early May. Um, what else is on the horizon for you guys? Like how far do you want to see Five Trails go? Where do you think you'll spin off from there? I mean, you're off to a great start, so where do you want to take it from there? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're only what, I guess nine months into this journey and we don't really still don't know what we have. Um, Mm -hmm. We have some thoughts, but we're trying to take it one step at a time. We have some fun innovation coming this fall. Um, And five trail is set up as kind of a, a a mini batch series. So, and I say mini, meaning not every batch is going to be wildly different. I I always say we want to keep the flavor profile within a fairway, but Mm -hmm. that 5%, we call it the special guest, uh, the 13-year-old Kentucky uh, in batch one, batch two, it'll be something different. 
And, um, and so each year we'll have a new batch release. Um, and then we'll complement that with um, some barrel proof uh, product that we release, some cask finished products. We, we currently have some batch two resting on Imperial Porter barrels uh, for Imperial <laughs> Porter beer we have out in Colorado. Okay. Uh, one of our craft breweries, Colorado native. We can do and, we can uh, do another tasting and sample on that one if you would like. Like, okay, I, we, I'm can, sure we can make pull that some happen. strings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're really excited. Um, I still haven't tried it yet. We we want to be sure it has enough maturity on it. But we we dropped those laid those barrels down in January, so I'm praying we can release it before the holidays. But we'll be sure it tastes right before we do. Oh, nice. um, and so we'll we'll kind of continue to evolve you know, first off different, different batches every year and different, uh, limited releases behind that and, and see where it takes us from there. But, um, we're just kind of in awe of, of, you know, the recognition we've already received and, and it's one step at a time. Yeah. What, what is the biggest surprise that you've had, I guess, as you ventured into this world? Um, I think the, the warmth of, of people in the business and industry, I mean, yeah talking with someone like yourself and, and others, it's just people are interested, genuinely interested in, in the story, which um, I thought we had kind of an interesting story and is it differentiated enough? Is it worth talking about? And the fact that you guys are receptive to it is, is really uh, warming. And, um, and then the, that's the recognition we received has certainly surprised us. I thought we had, I kept telling people good, really good whiskey. I promise it's good. <laughs> But I, I mean, I don't know. We've been in this whiskey game for, you know, a short period of time. So right, right. we didn't know if we really had it. And now like, that's I've validated. enjoyed some whiskey in my time, but now that I'm making it for serious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, those have been just kind of some of the fun elements of it. That's awesome. And I love hearing that too, because you're, so you're not the first person to mention kind of the warmth of the people in the industry. And, you know, obviously everybody wears different team names on their t-shirts from now on again, but there's there's so much cross pollination and there's so much opportunity to do something a little bit different, right? Cause at the end of the day, if people enjoy the craft that you put out there, uh, if there's something that brings us together to kind of talk about it, enjoy it together, you know, that's, that's what we're all after. So. That, that's what I love about the Alcabev industry. Um, as it is, it brings people together, whether you're, uh, colleagues or competitors, uh, you can always enjoy a conversation, uh, I love kind of how it even, it even smoothed out politics, right? You can, you may disagree with one another, but you can go have a beer together at the bar or whiskey at the bar. And um, I think that's really cool. Yeah. No, it's a much needed safe space, especially now, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Not that we need to go that down that path. (laughs) Nah, nah. I mean, I don't want to kill the whole bottle talking through time. (laughs) Exactly. Not that podcast. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, this has been this has been a blast. And I know, you know, we're really excited to kind of keep following you guys and see how things continue to develop. Um, this this is definitely one that I'd recommend. Uh, Five Trail. Can you tell us a little bit about how people can get their hands on it since it is a little bit new, a little select in that front? It is new. Um, we're in, I believe, seven states now. So Nevada, Colorado, um, Georgia, mostly in the Atlanta area. Um, Northwest Texas and Amarillo and Abilene, mm-hmm. uh, Wisconsin and New York um, are the current in Kentucky as well, actually. And okay. there's a product finder on our uh, website. So if you go to fivetrail.com, uh, you can um, 
track us down that way. And, and everyone always says five trails or five trail. Did you have a typo? <laughs> <laughs> My brother hates it. Doesn't have an S he goes, you know, it's, it's a plural. And I said, no, we're, <laughs> we're all on the same trail, but there's, you know, I'm the fifth generation. It's a nod to five generations um, of trailblazing spirit. And, and so uh, maybe we should have put an S on the end, but we didn't. <laughs> so, it's all right. you, you already fired the graphics guy that did that and came up with the good story. So that's perfect. Well covered. No. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I chose five trail myself. So, it, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. but it, it, maybe it's an un, unintended benefit of it is it, it spurs conversation on what the name actually is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, if you go to five trail.com um, you can, you can locate it there and uh, yeah, we're just slowly expanding. We have, hopefully a half dozen or so more states to come uh, throughout this year. And mm-hmm. we'll be launching those new releases in the fall and, and we'll see where things go from there. Hopefully in time for Christmas, because the Imperial Porter finish that you were mentioning, I mean, yes. what is cozier around the holidays than something like that? Like I can already imagine the bow with a big or the, the bottle with like a big red velvet bow on it or something, you know, just. It, it will be <laughs> delicious. I can guarantee that. So nice. Nice. <laughs> Well, I know that we're we're about coming to the end of our time here. So if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about, um, I know that we, we were just talking about using the product finder on 5trail.com to see where we can get our hands on this stuff. But yeah, anything else you want to share with us, get us excited about? Uh, we're on face, Facebook and Instagram. So follow along as, as we keep you informed on what we're doing on our front and um, really appreciate the time and all the best to your new little Evie and uh, (laughs) she grows up to be a wonderful woman like yourself. Appreciate that. Maybe, maybe uh, who knows in two decades or whatever, we'll get uh, the girls together at a whiskey conference and they'll be running the show. I think that would be, (laughs) all right, start thinking about the name for that. Okay. That's what we need to do. (laughs) We'll get to work on it. Awesome. David, thank you so much for joining. This really was a pleasure. And, uh, I'm glad that I kicked Bobby out of the room so we could do this just to ourselves, you know. <laughs> I'll send him my best, and, and I'm glad that he was able to take care of uh, so you could do this with yeah. me. I'll send him my or your best, but uh, not the whiskey, so we'll do that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, hold on tight to that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chasers, that'll do it for now. If this was your first time tuning in, what took you so long? All jokes aside, we're so happy to welcome you to the Cast Chasers family, and we definitely hope you'll come back for more next week. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, in short, wherever you listen to podcasts. And give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. You can even join our Facebook group for bonus points. And if you want even more Cast Chasers, check out our website, castchasers.org, for show notes, Cast Chaser swag, and more. Until next time you join us, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase.